0: gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats and he shall set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on his on the left then shall the king say unto them on his right hand come ye blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world for i was a hungered and you gave me meat i was thirsty and you gave me drink i was a stranger and you took me in Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when shall we thee all hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When shall we, when, when saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was a hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in, naked, and ye clothed me not sick and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when shall we thee and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily, I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Until life eternal. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning, one, thanking you for the many blessings that we have, Father, the opportunity to be here and opportunity to be heard and opportunity to hear your word, Father. Most of all, Father, we just thank you for that and that we can take it to our heart and live by it and be guided by it, Father, that we may live and and help the ones that that need help and guide others to you and be salt into the world. Father, thank you for the ones that... uh, have asked for prayer requests this morning father be with each one that the request was made father that you'll touch their body and heal them and if, if not that you'll be with them and give them the wisdom that they need to be guided to you if they don't know you father and the most important thing is that each person come to know you in christ's holy name we pray amen
1: Y'all, to have a look at the screen so you could kind of see what I'm going to share with you this morning. Uh, This was a vision, as we all know, by Jimmy and Patsy. They were involved in the food ministry and they wanted to do something for Northern Herd County. So, uh, 10 years ago, uh, this vision came to them, as we call it, and uh, they started. uh, Uh, food pantry here at the church. Uh, They operated best they could in the basement, and I'm going to cover all that with you. But in 2011, that's when uh, Glenlock Baptist Church, when they voted uh, on the food pantry. The food pantry was open once a month. Most of the food was purchased from Walmart with donations made from church members and from the community at that time. We have some heavy-duty s- steel shelving below me, and I mean, showing sure enough, heavy-duty warehouse shelving. Uh, Freddie Duncan donated that shelving. They stand there today, and we're still using it, mostly for our food product items, but we do still have some storage items on those shelves. That same year, 2011, uh, the process started to get a contract with Atlanta Community Food Bank where we could buy a food bank by the pound. Uh, and today, uh, we're paying 11 and 12 cents a pound for food. Uh, so, you know, each time that I order, I usually get around 8,000 pounds. Uh, our next order will be more than that, and I'll share that with you at the end. Uh, the first volunteers uh, included uh, Judd and Nancy Hall, Inez Alexander, and Becky Yates. The food bank, they bring food to different cities and uh, tractor trailers or big trucks. And once a month, Jimmy and uh, as you see, Billy Vaughn and Gary Bailey, they would go up to Bremen to pick up the food because we were not getting enough food or had the space at that time to have them to deliver it to us. As our food pantry continued to grow, uh, John Ivey was a a big part of the food ministry here. And he and uh, uh, Javon Lane, uh, and mainly John, I think, actually came up with the idea that, hey, we're going to hold a golf tournament. And we're going to give the proceeds after expenses from that golf tournament to the food pantry. Over the last uh, five, six years, that has been very, a very lucrative project for the food pantry. Uh, We didn't have to do a whole lot other than just show up. But, uh, uh, so that was a wonderful ministry and and, uh, we'll get into why that uh, uh, changed. And just to kind of jump forward, 2019, of course, we had, uh, was the last year we could hold the golf tournament, which that was also our largest year. And in 2020 and 21, Javon Lane, she she and her coworkers along with our assistants, she started having fundraising projects down there at Southern Power and the current management was still okay with that because the proceeds were going to the food pantry. As it turned out, the last two years with the projects that she did and she had going on at Southern Power, we actually made more money than we did when we had the golf tournament. So the last two years has been really good for us. Well, also in, in uh, 2011, because we're looking to get started with Atlanta Community Food Bank, well our organization has to be separate from the church. So with the help of Chuck and Colleen Stevens, uh, our food uh, pantry was uh, incorporated into Glenlock Community Outreach. And uh, we still operate by that today. Uh, a lot of people call us uh, Glenlock Food Bank, and, but on all the criteria that goes out, all the contracts, everything is Glenlock Community uh, Food Bank. In 2015, uh, uh, I'm gonna say Patsy applied for a grant. I think she did all the paperwork uh, based on conversations with her. Uh, to buy a truck and a cooler, which we have inside the food pantry down there now, and we've been using that since it was installed. But uh, after that time, uh, after we got the truck, uh, Jimmy and Billy, they would drive up to a not so good section in Atlanta. I made a couple of trips up there with uh, Jimmy before I took over, and it's uh, not a really good place that you want to go driving a box truck and. Very narrow four lane street and real rough section as to where it was located. But uh, since that time, about the time that uh, I took over, the Atlanta Community Food Bank built a brand new warehouse, a Munster warehouse, uh, out right off of 285 on, uh, I think it's Campbellton Parkway, maybe. But anyway, it's really easy to get to now. Uh, So that makes it a a lot easier for us now when we do have to go up there. Uh, There was always volunteers back here to uh, unload the truck once it got here, and that's still happening today. Uh, At that time, they were serving uh, 30 to 40 families per week. And uh, I remember uh, Jimmy and some of the other workers talking about uh, 75 families came through one week. And... uh, I can just, if, if 75 families came through our food pantry today, we would be working, we're open nine to 12, but we'd be working nine to one probably to get 75 families through there because we don't leave until the last car's gone through, is the main thing. That same year we get, began a ministry, which we were still involved in when I got involved with the food pantry, uh, ministering to a mobile home park in Franklin Uh, We would carry food out to several families once a month, and uh, uh, because of COVID and there was other circumstances that happened during 2019, uh, we just, we had to shut that project down. In 2017, an opportunity for us to get bread uh, from the food pantry was presented to Jimmy. So in the beginning, Jimmy and Patsy would travel each week in his little truck up to Temple, Georgia to Bimbo Bread Company, and uh, we would get free bread and sweets, and we are still continuing that ministry today, and as often as we can, uh, either myself or Tony Lane, one of my volunteers, he and I drive the box truck up, and we get a lot more bread as we, as we were able to get in a pickup truck. So that's helped, that's helped tremendously. In 2019, all of you know that Jimmy's health uh, began, began declining. And uh, I was already slated to take over January 2020. But uh, he got a little worse toward the end of 2019. So in December of that year, I took over as director. Of course, needless to say, 2020 was a, was a very critical year for us. Uh, we had to reestablish our system of, of continuing keeping the food pantry open. And we made the decision. We had been using brown paper bags to carry out the food. Well, we knew there was going to be a greater demand for food. So we have now gone to a box system. Uh, every family that comes through gets a uh, 14 by 14 by uh uh, six-inch box. We fold the lids up and we can get close to 40 pounds in one box. The other box, we put all of our uh, larger items, all of our frozen items and our refrigerated items go in the second box. Plus, they get a bag of bread. So, uh, it's come a long way. Of course, last year was our our largest year and uh, our volunteers stayed very faithful in 2020 uh we shut down one day uh last year because i got COVID and i was kind of around you know everybody in the food pantry so it was decided to just take a break for for one week and uh, i turned out uh, i I didn't have a really bad case of it so the following week we opened back up but as you can see because of the uh, Businesses close in and unemployed people. Uh, you know, we distributed out of this basement last year the hundred fifteen thousand five hundred seventy six pounds of food. That's a lot of food, uh, but fortunately, we had the money to buy the food and we had the volunteers to distribute it. Uh, our average pounds for 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 per family increase from thirty nine pounds per family in two thousand nineteen to sixty one pounds. So with that box system, uh, we can give more. Uh, it'll hold more. It's more sturdy. You know, brown paper bags, even even with just loaf bread and sweets in them, they will tear. So the box system has worked out great. Uh, we received a grant uh, early on for $2,500 from the Atlanta Community Food Bank. And uh, that $2,500 was designated. You buy whatever supplies you need. Uh, for you food pantry, uh, I purchased uh, two sets of shelves. Uh, I bought some needed supplies. Uh, for instance, anytime we needed to mop, we had to come up here and get the bucket. I bought some mop, mop bucket, got us some new sweeping brooms, make it a little bit easier to clean up down there. Uh, that's pretty much where uh, uh, that $2,500 went. But in 2020, last year, and I think I, I told y'all uh, this in January when I gave the uh, yearly report. Uh, our church and the surrounding community, I mean, they just opened their hearts up. There, I've got it on record, I didn't write it down, but uh, I bet you that uh, y'all gave uh, the food pantry because we did have to buy some food last year because of shortages. We had to go to, to the grocery stores and buy it by the box. Uh, I bet y'all gave me somewhere between three and $4,000 to operate with last year. Made a big difference. Uh, the surrounding businesses also, uh, you know, we get grants. Uh, I get $1,000 from Carol EMC and I think last year they upped it to uh, 2,000. There's uh, Alvin Ginn uh, with his propane company, which he has sold now. Uh, he made a generous donation. Uh, so we we'll probably won't get that this year with the new owners taking over, but I'm gonna go ask. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't hurt to ask and remind them. Sure does And uh, of course we put an owning, if y'all ride around to the back, which I would like for all of you to do today, if you have not. Y'all need to ride behind this church in a minute you'll see why. But uh, we put up an awning because uh, when we w- when we walked out of those double doors, we were in the rain. Or we was in the hot sun. So we've got a, uh, probably a 16-foot awning back there. We, we put a gutter up so when we go out the... Uh, in the, especially the rain, but it really keeps the sun off because it would it would heat that food pantry up just the sun coming up and on that end. Uh, so that awning has just helped tremendously. Of course, the gutter keeps the water off of our people that have to go outside uh, to load the vehicles. Uh, the gutter keeps it from rain falling straight on when we have some hard showers. Uh, 2021. Uh, had the opportunity, I filled out the paperwork. Uh, I applied for uh, a grant from the Atlanta Community Food Bank. Uh, what I wanted to do with it, uh, the grant was only twenty-five thousand dollars. But what I wanted to do with it was going to cost more than twenty-five thousand. But we were fortunate to have the funds to do that. Well. Uh, Food Bank called me and said, uh, are you going to be able to complete this project uh, with $25,000? And I told them, I says, well, you know, I've got other money, so I'm going to be able to complete the project. Well, they actually gave me, 20, gave the food pantry $28,000. At that same time, I applied Southwire called Call, the church, and and I got back in touch with them, uh, and they said they wanted to send us uh, uh, a donation, uh, and uh, uh, they had COVID money left over that they did not use, and, and they need they were going to give that to organizations. So I sent them what my plans were, uh, kind of gave them a recap of 2020, uh, what we did, and. I was shocked when I opened that envelope and it was $7,000. And we all know God works in mysterious ways. My project was $35,000 and some change. Yes. And and as of right now, I've still got some concrete to pay, uh, but uh, I mean to to put back there on a drive, but uh, uh, I'm just a little under the 35,000 and I've got the money uh, to go up to 40 if I have to, thanks to y'all. I didn't have to use all the donations y'all gave last year and and, uh, other businesses, but so that money, And the grant was to install an outside walk-in cooler and freezer. This has been installed and it's now operational. Uh, we like two more shelves. Uh, I've got a a load of food that will be coming in a week from tomorrow. Uh, Our our food loads are usually between 6 and a little over 8,000 pounds. But uh, uh, next... uh, Monday, we're going to probably be getting in pretty close to 12,000 pounds to fill up these two units. Uh, we do have a fence installed around our uh, cooler stuff on the back, and, uh, but it's, it's just been a blessing as to all that just kind of fell in place. Uh, been a little bit of a headache with installation. Needless to say, there always is when you got a pretty good-sized project. But we're, we've worked through it, and uh, everything's looking good. Now, this is a direct quote from what Jimmy Horn gave me. And this is to all of you. Over the years, we have had many volunteers and faithful servants of God to always show up and work hard, rain, shine, or cold. Thank you, and to all of you who have served and continue to serve. This work could not be accomplished without you. But most of all, glory to God for the blessings he has given to us and all who have been served by this ministry. Jimmy Horn. Amen. Amen. Uh, Now, Crystal, is that right? You did our logo for us? The ladies got together and felt like we needed a logo, and they brainstormed just a little bit. So this is the logo that we use on uh, all of our correspondence that I have to do, along with our uh, uh, crystal-made signs. We have that logo on our truck now, so hopefully I won't get stopped by deputies no more for not having no kind of identification on a box truck driving down the road. Uh, they didn't like that one day, so they decided to come after me. Four came after me, as a matter of fact, y'all. Now, of course, now I knew everything was gonna be okay because we just had bread in that. But I see all them blue lights come up behind me. I coming up the hill from Temple, at Rootville. And so I turn in, because I'm not gonna stop that box truck on 27. I turn in and go into the dollar store parking lot, that Rootville, but two come out and one on the right's got the gun. I can see the one on the left. He's got his hand on his. And two more went around the other side of the building at the dollar store to be in front. And uh, so when the guy walked up, and this is why I wore that veteran hat. He was a veteran. He called, all's okay. And he and I just chatted about military service, what we'd been through. And I told him where we had been. And he said, do you need to send back the truck? He said, no, I ain't, I'm not worried about you. You go on. But again, just thank all of you for supporting us. Uh, we, we do use the money you give us wisely if we need to make improvements. We just don't uh, uh, waste it. Uh, and uh, I just ask all of you to continue to pray for our food pantry, pray for our workers. And if anybody's not doing anything a week from tomorrow, <laughs> Sometime that morning the food truck would be here and there'll be gonna be a lot of difference in six to eight thousand pounds and ten and twelve. Gonna be a lot more boxes to put up. Amen. All right, thank y'all. <clears throat>
2: Let's sing together this morning. Starting with surely the presence. He keeps me singing. Father God, Lord, thank you um, for just the reminder of um, the ministry of our food pantry that Mr. Durrell shared with us this morning, God. Lord, I couldn't help but think about um, how ever since I started coming to Glenlock, I've always heard that this is a church where love abounds, God. And Lord, what greater way to show that than to minister to our community, God. Lord, thank you for all of those who have been faithful in service and in giving and in prayer to that ministry, God. Um And, Lord, thank you for just letting us be the hands and feet of Jesus. Continue to lead and guide that ministry within your will, God, um, and continue to bless it so we can continue to bless others, God. Lord, we just thank you for um, allowing us us that ministry, God, because, Lord, none of us are worthy, God. But, Lord, thank you um, for setting the idea in in Mr. Jimmy and Pat's heart, God, um, and just letting it continue to flourish, Lord. God, what... um, what an awesome reminder that your presence is here, God. And it's not just in this place um, on Sundays when we gather to worship God. But, Lord, I, I pray that each person who drives through the back of this church on Tuesdays, God, feel, feel your presence, Lord, as they're receiving that food as well, God. Um, and, Lord, that you just um, put in their heart, God, that they can come back to this place during the week um, and on Sundays, too, God, to worship you. So, Lord, just thank you um, for the blessings of that ministry um, here at Glenlock, God. Lord, thank you for allowing us to sing and gather this morning, Lord. And thank you for um, just your answered prayers, for all the prayer requests in the past week. And we lift up all of those that we've mentioned today, God. And we just pray that you continue to bless us and keep us, Lord. Be with us as we open your word in Luke. May it find a lodging place in our hearts, God. Lord, may we hear clearly from you through Pastor Neil this morning. We love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated.
3: Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10, please. As we work our way verse by verse through the gospel of Luke, God's timing is amazing. Because today's message is on the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And following, we're going to have the biblical foundation for everything that Durell just illustrated through the food pantry. So you've already heard the illustration and the demonstration of the message in what Glenlock has been doing for 10 years through the food pantry ministry. And I just want to say God has provided. It is amazing to me to hear that story and to notice through the years how God has provided. When this facility was built... And being built in 2009 and 2010, we had no idea, at least I didn't, God did, of how that basement underneath here could be used for God and His glory. So as Jimmy has said, to God be the glory because He has provided the resources and the people and the finances through the years to, to participate in what is an eternal life ministry. And Let me show us in the text what I mean by that. Joe's reading from Matthew 25 reminds us that the issue that we're talking about today is a matter of heaven or hell. Okay, It's a demonstration of the fact that we have received the gift of eternal life and how we minister compassionately and mercifully to others. There's so much at stake in ministries like that, and this parable reminds us of that. So Luke 10, 25, here's the message. And we've already had much of the illustration through the ministry here at Glenlock in feeding people in need. Uh, Luke 10.25, this is where we were last week. This is actually part two of the greatest commandment. And behold, a certain lawyer, an expert in the law, stood up and put him to the test. He's testing Jesus. His motive is impure. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied and said, A certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers. They stripped him and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a certain priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place, he saw him, and he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him. He bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. He put him on his own beast, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, he took out two denarii, two days' wages. How much do you earn in two days? (laughs) Might be a practical question to ask. So he took out Denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, and he said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And the expert, the lawyer, said, The one. Who showed mercy toward him. Notice that he couldn't even bring himself to say Samaritan. Isn't that interesting? I think that reply in itself gives away much of his heart, doesn't it? He said, the one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said to him, go and do, go and do the same. Father, thank you already for what has been shared as we celebrate ten years of that particular ministry of feeding those who are hungry. As Durrell has already done, thank you, Lord, for providing the compassion, the vision, the resources, the people, all that you've provided. May that ministry continue to grow and flourish for the sake of the gospel and the sake of Christ because we truly have Receive the greatest of gifts and help us to picture that and share that in practical, helpful ways. Not just through the food pantry, Lord, but but in all the different ways that we are able to do that as a church community. Thank you for the grace of Jesus and how He has already done for us uh, what you call us to do for others. And that is show mercy and compassion. In his name we pray. Amen. So today we have part two of the greatest commandment. And so this morning I want to briefly, with the time we have left, uh, go back to the parable of the Good Samaritan, which is one of my favorites and probably your favorite parables in all the scriptures. In this particular text, I want us to notice several... Principles, several points, several things to observe that help us to see that the emphasis is on doing. Here we have a so-called expert who knows, he knows the law, he's answered correctly, but his struggle is in execution. Reminds me of a coach I heard interviewed after a game. The coach literally said, I had the perfect plan. My players just failed to execute it. (laughs) I thought, well, I don't know that, you know, you had the perfect plan. But this expert knows the law. But as we work through the text again, I want to remind us of a couple of things before we get to the heart of the response of Jesus. Everyone's an expert until it comes to execution. When we're in the stands, we know how it should be done, don't we? But once we begin to try to put it into practice, we find our limitations and the limitations of others confronting us front and square. So I want to remind us that this is, first of all, an ultimate question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? So everything is at stake. This is weighty. This is infinite. He tests Jesus with the greatest of questions. Because we expounded this last week, I'm just going to mention it in passing. Heaven and hell are at stake here. Heaven and hell are at stake in Jesus' response, and Jesus' command to go and do. Because going and doing demonstrates that we truly have received the gift of eternal life. And as someone has said, I will remind us, before we can ever truly live, we must be prepared to die. Before you and I can ever truly live with life and life abundantly, we must be prepared to die. And I think that's where Jesus is taking us. He's taking us to preparing for eternity. So, first, we have that ultimate question. Then, we also noticed last week that this is an impossible commandment. It's impossible. The law is perfect, but none of us can live this out perfectly. We've all sinned and fallen short of this because the demand is perfection. To love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, we saw very clearly that all of us fall very far short of this perfect commandment. Do this and you shall live. Our problem is we haven't done it. We can't do it. None of us can fulfill the greatest commandment. So I want to follow up that introduction of the ultimate question and the impossible commandment with another question that I'm going to call an audacious question. The audacity of asking Jesus the question that he asked Jesus in verse 29. Who is my neighbor? Let's think about that just a second. This is, in my opinion, a very bad question. And I hope to share with you why. It's a very bad question because it is an evasive question. It is a deceptive question. It is a dishonest question. The audacity of this lawyer jumping over the main part of the commandment and quibbling about the second part of the commandment knowing that he could never fulfill the first part. My opinion is that he should have said, Wow, I'm humbled and troubled because there's no way that I've ever loved God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's no way that I've done the second part of loving God My neighbor as myself. The audacity of this question is seen in the fact that the lawyer was trying to justify himself. The lawyer wishes to vindicate himself with a question implying that he did not know precisely what his duty was. He's trying to flip it in his favor. And he gets caught in his own trap. He jumps over the weightier of the two commands to quibble about the second. He's looking for an out. I went Friday to see the top 30 professional golfers in the world compete in the Tour Championship at East Lake in Atlanta. I'd never done that. Bryson had the idea. I bought four tickets. I took three teenagers with me, and we had a good half day watching some professional golf. I'd never seen professional golf so up close and personal. I'm standing behind a tee box. One of the greatest golfers in the world has just teed off, Jordan Spieth, and then another golfer comes up to the tee box. It's a par three, so it's not a very long shot. But this professional golfer, one of the top 30 in the world, gets up and he hits a shot that hooks a little bit, it hooks a little bit to the left. And a fan beside me has the audacity to say, Well, I don't know why he would have hit that shot on this hole. <laughs> Talking about the, t- the specific style of shot that he used. And I thought to myself, <laughs> This guy. <laughs> I don't know who you are or how well you are at, go- how, how well you play golf, but <laughs> hey, neither one of us have any reason at all to comment or question anything, anything that these guys are doing. The audacity. Who is my neighbor? As I thought through that question, and his motive to try to get out of it and justify himself, I thought, this is very kin to the questions in the Bible that are the worst questions of all in the Scriptures. The serpent asked this, Did God say? Did God say that? When Cain was confronted by God, and and, and who is, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Jesus before Pilate, and Pilate says, What is truth? All those questions to me are cut from the same dirty cloth the cloth of testing God, rebelling against God, evading God's commands, the audacity. Of asking this question. But we do that, don't we? We'd, rec- re- we'd rather work on anything or anybody other than the main problem with ourselves. Which is our responsibility, personally, to love God with all of our hearts so Mind and strength. In fact, to get to a practical application, had he been doing the first one, he wouldn't have needed to worry about the second one. So arguing about the second one was really an evasion of not doing the first one. So we have an ultimate question, an impossible commandment, an audacious question, but then we have an unfortunate incident. And in a fallen, broken world, there will be many unfortunate incidences. There will be many people driving through the Glenlock community outreach. Jesus tells this story of a man who was going down on a journey. He fell among thieves, and there are thieves. The enemy seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. In a fallen world full of sinful people, opportunities and circumstances will abound to minister. I don't know about you, but recently the prayer requests that we've had, the requests coming in that you're sharing, that other people are sharing, it's been overwhelming. The sickness, the deaths... The hurts, the brokenness, the needs are all around us. Rebecca Lyons said this, The dysfunction of this world will be tangible again and again and again. We can't escape it. Though we desperately try, it will sneak in amidst the safety of our carefully crafted worlds. Because this place is not our home and has not been fully restored until then... You and I are called to live in the tensionness of the brokenness that is now with the hope for what is yet to come. This is reality. That situations and circumstances are going to lead to people being stripped and beaten and hungry and broken and naked and in prison. All the categories that Matthew 25 says, which Joe read from, contained, those needs are going to always be there. There are going to be unfortunate incidences, and you and I are not exempt, and you and I are not exceptions. But let's move on to the heart of the story. A compassionate neighbor. A compassionate neighbor. The priest and the Levite pass on by. Were they concerned about being defiled religiously because this man's half dead? Or did they have... Something more important to do, like, I don't know, sermon preparation. (laughs) Putting their particular agenda over the need, the more pressing need of the moment. The priest and the Levite pass on by. So in this particular text, Jesus is highlighting some of the main characters of Jewish life. We've got an expert lawyer and we've got a priest and a Levite. But the shocking surprise of the story is that the hero is a Samaritan. That's the great reversal in Luke. God eventually is going to take the gospel not just to Samaritans, but in the Jewish mind even worse, the Gentiles are going to be reached through the book of Acts and through the ministry of Paul later in the story. What's different about the Samaritan? His actions, his mercy in action. Let's just walk through the anatomy of his mercy and how he puts into practice what Jesus tells us to do in the second half of the Great Commandment. He demonstrates loving your neighbor as yourself. What does he do? Well, first, I, I see that he notices. He he pays attention. You're like me sometimes when you're aware of a need, you say to yourself, don't make eye contact. (laughs) Don't make eye contact. You know. You know where this is headed. But the Samaritan pays attention. The second part of this, being a compassionate neighbor, is he feels compassion. Now let me say one thing briefly about Jimmy Horn and Darrell Langley. And this came to me while Durrell was talking. Whenever I've heard Jimmy Horn or Durell Langley talk about the food pantry ministry, you can feel and sense the compassion that they have in their hearts for people in need. And that is the X factor in the story. In fact, it's the X factor in all of life. Compassion and mercy. That's the one thing that Jesus is emphasizing in this text over and above all the others. Which one showed mercy? Man, the Samaritan. So he feels, he cares, he has empathy. Where does that caring come from? Where does that feeling come from? There is also practical help. Practical help, not just attention, not just compassion, but actually making the boxes and putting them into the cars and filling those boxes first with food. Someone said, Love is the overflow of joy in God which meets the needs of others. Love is the overflow in God which meets the needs of others. There's attention, there's compassion, there's practical help, there's sacrifice. Look at how the Samaritan uses his possessions, his resources to help. He puts the man on his beast, he uses his money, he uses his energy, he is all in. He uses his heart, his head, his hands, he's all in with all of his resources. And, not only that, not only is he sacrificial, but he offers sustained care. He goes the second mile. Now, I could say more about it. But I want to close by pointing to two things just to point them out and we'll look more in depth next week. That's the anatomy or the breakdown of being a compassionate neighbor. So what Jesus does is this. Instead of going external with the issue and and, and trying to, to quibble about, well, who is my neighbor? The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And what we should be most concerned about is not who is my neighbor, but on being a certain kind of person, being a neighbor. Mr. Rogers was right. Won't you be my neighbor? State Farm is right. Like a good neighbor, what? State Farm is there. Terry Harper didn't pay me to say that. If we would be more concerned about being a certain kind of person, then we will in humility... And in all these other aspects of the Samaritan who knew what it why does he act differently? Because he knows what it's like to be outcast. He knows what it's like to be ostracized. He knows what it's like to be in the social ditch. Do you realize that when the, the, the Pharisees wanted to, when the Jewish leaders wanted to insult Jesus, when they, when they were trying to think of the greatest insult that they could make against Jesus, you know what they called him? They said, you are demon-possessed and you're a Samaritan. You know what Jesus said? He said, I'm not demon-possessed. But I notice in John 8 that he didn't say, don't call me a Samaritan. He didn't say that. So what I want to close with is thinking about how God has provided in Christ the practical mercy we need. If you look at what Jesus does for us in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus displays two aspects of the characteristics in this story that are very important. Number one, through the Gospel, Christ is our helper. He is the neighbor who comes close to us and meets our greatest need. Let me say that again. Jesus, for us, is the one who leaves his home comes into the broken world and into our broken sinful lives. And while we were sinners dead in the spiritual ditch, He rescued us by living the perfect life and rescuing us and saving us out of an an infinitely deep ditch. Are you with me? That Jesus was the ultimate and is the ultimate helper. He's the ultimate neighbor. He identifies with the one who, in the story comes to help with practical, sacrificial, sustained help. But that's not all Jesus does in the gospel. Not only has he come to us, leaving his home in glory and and, and being the ultimate helpful neighbor, but in Luke's gospel, Jesus also identifies with the Samaritan, excuse me, the victim, the, the, the helpless one in the ditch. What do you mean by that? What I mean by that is that if you read what Luke later says about Jesus and his suffering, Jesus and the cross, let's go back and look at this again. He fell among robbers. They stripped him. They beat him. They went off leaving him half dead. Jesus, without mercy, bore the judgment that was due my sin and your sin by becoming this helpless person who not was just left half dead, but was left what? Completely dead. So Jesus is both the helper But the way he helped us was by identifying completely with the helpless. And that's what the cross is about. Jesus was subjected to the robbers of the priests and the Levites and the Pharisees and the Romans. And he faced judgment without mercy so that you and I could be forgiven by God's mercy, and be transformed to become people who've received the gift of life and love from God, and then we seek to be radically helpful, radically sacrificial, radically giving. The kind of people who say, let's start a food pantry ministry. (laughs) So I'm going to close in prayer, and I'm going to ask us this question. What gifts, what talents, what resources, what vision do you have for a particular helpful ministry that can demonstrate that you understand God's mercy and grace to you? I love the food pantry ministry, but that's not the only need that people have. There are other needs out there. And what can we do as a church to be helpful to picture and share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have had as a church to demonstrate love and mercy to others in so many different ways. And today we celebrate the ministry of our our food pantry. And and, and I just ask God that you continue to provide and, and glorify yourself through that to meet the practical needs of people so that ultimately we can meet the greater need, which is the spiritual need of salvation in Christ. Help us all to be more grateful for what you have done on our behalf. That out of mercy and love, you gave your Son. And now that you've blessed us with resources, you command and you desire for us also to use our resources for the sake of the gospel to meet the practical needs of others, demonstrating that we truly have eternal life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing our hymn of invitation. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, Don't forget we have Sunday school immediately after we close. Grateful for our teachers and what you continue to do week by week. We will not have services tonight. Happy Labor Day weekend. Enjoy your time with your family. I want to say to Dan and Donna Dockery, it's great to see y'all here this morning. Uh, Dan is our associational missionary, and we are grateful for Dan and what he does for us in leading many ministries like this through our association as a pastor To us pastors so damn we're grateful that y'all are here uh catherine do you want to close us in our not sure what it is the doxology maybe Mm -hmm. okay thank
2: you let's sing the doxology together praise god from whom all blessings flow praise him all creatures here evening and a great week.